Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Chicago Bears. This is the Bears Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Bears Wire editor, Alyssa Barbieri. Hey there, welcome into the program. Good to be back with a new episode of the Bears Wire podcast. After a couple weeks, Alyssa, we took uh, we took Thanksgiving Day off. Uh, so how was that for you? I haven't talked to you since Thanksgiving. Uh, how was that whole weekend with the family? I know you've got a lot of Lions fans in the fam. That couldn't have been pleasant for you, right? The Bears almost losing to the Lions on Thanksgiving there. It was, it was looking dicey there at the end. Thankfully, Santos was able to kick that thing through. Uh, but how was the whole weekend for you? Yeah, the whole weekend, the weekend as a whole was nice. I mean, my Michigan Wolverines finally beat Ohio State. Which oh, that was man, incredible. that was big. That was an amazing, oh, my goodness. It, I could re, If I could relive that day, I would. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, having to cover the Bears on Thanksgiving, it's like if they would have lost to the Lions, it would have been so much worse. And then I was torn because I'm not someone that roots against them. But I was curious, just just curious, what would happen if they had lost to the winless Lions, even after all of the drama with Matt Nagy and George McCaskey backing off and saying, no, we were never going to fire him. But if you lose to the Lions there, do you think it happens? So I was like, I was curious. And obviously that didn't happen, thanks to Cairo Santos, who he just keeps bailing everybody out at this point. But, you know, I had a good weekend because then I got to relax and watch football it was really nice, and now the Cardinals and Packers are on deck, so here we go. <laughs> yeah, plenty to worry about now, right? And uh, yeah, just a friendly reminder to hit the subscribe button to all the listeners. Search the Bears Wire on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever is best for you. We appreciate each and every one of you, and we missed you last week for sure. And it, 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 was, a, it was a wild week, right, Alyssa? Uh, you know, leading into Thanksgiving, these reports start coming out that, quote, an overwhelming number of players wanted Matt Nagy gone. And then there was a report the head coach had had a meeting with ownership. He was informed that this Thanksgiving Day game against the Lions would be his last, that he would be fired afterwards. And uh, it was just wild. And then Nagy comes out like a day later, shoots that down, says that's not the case. And they go out and have a really tight win over the Lions, which doesn't make anybody feel really good about it. And the fans are pissed. And it really does feel like this week, It feels like it was a loss, right? It doesn't feel like the Bears won last week. It feels like they're coming off a loss. The fans aren't happy. They're showing it in all kinds of different ways, which we're going to get into. Uh, It it was just a crazy, long, wild week. And for you, I'm sure you were very busy in those days leading up to Thanksgiving and after, right? It's been been nonstop Matt Nagy hot seat watch. I mean, considering the Bears are coming off a short week, four days between games, I I was exhausted after like three days. No doubt. And like I'm like they haven't even played football yet. Like everything, it's just like one thing after another. One more report came, and then there were two more that followed that, and then there's more, and it's all these different things. Like from Justin Fields being frustrated, you know, that he had to run the scout team, and then when you know Matt Nagy losing the locker room, and it started with the fact that they started Dalton over Fields, and then the whole, everything. It was, it, it was quite a whirlwind of a week, and I mean. If anything, it just showed you just how dysfunctional this organization is. That's the thing. I mean, you can't even come out of this week. I mean, I don't think Bears fans will be satisfied until Matt Nagy's gone. But at the same time, there are bigger concerns than him. You have to look at ownership now and how they handled that situation. Like when this report broke, and this is from, you know, a Pulitzer winning writer. So I was like, oh, hold on now. You know, yep. he has to know somebody, yep. right? He, yep. I mean, he's not going to print this if he's not 100% sure. And like seeing that and how the Bears 
just basically sent first it was Chris Tabor, the special teams coordinator, who would have been the interim head coach if they had fired him. Just kind of they sent him to the Wolves. He was the first one to meet with the media. And they sent him, they sent Nagy, they sent players and ownership. They just remained quiet for more than 24 hours after this story broke until finally, you know, they leaked the report that they had met with the players and everyone and told them it's not true. But I mean, the way that they handled that, that was worse than you know, I guess like all of the different rumors. Cause I think that we imagine that the things that were being said, Maggie losing the locker room, I think that was evident a few weeks ago, especially with Jalen Johnson and some of the things that he said, Yes. you know, all of the losing, like, I feel like we could have, you know, surmised that that was the feeling in the locker room with some players and everything. But the way that the organization just handled that was just an absolute mess. And I mean, even after I know I'm pretty sure but I don't want to, you know, say for sure because, because again, ownership in this organization just I have no trust that they can do the right thing. You know, if they do hire a new GM and a head coach, you know, are they going to make the right choice this time? Like, it's just you have a lot of all the questions start at the top, and it's really not going to be fixed until ownership. Yeah, no, I I, I agree because when that report came out that ownership had informed Nagy that he was going to be fired after the Thanksgiving Day game. I was like, what, what What are we doing here? You know, what are we doing? Like, if the players don't believe in the head coach and they're not taking the coaching and you don't want him as your head coach, you're going to move on from him, just fire him now. You, don't wait till after Thanksgiving. What are we doing? What, what are we doing? No, the, the coaches yeah. and the players will be fine. Right, Alyssa? They'll be fine. They've handled okay. Matt Nagy at his undisclosed location during COVID, whatever that thing was when he was <laughs> hiding in the hotel room. He's we, in a bunker. They were fine. They were fine. It, it'll be good. Like, I'm so glad that he actually wasn't fired like that next that Friday after and that report was true because that would have just been the definition of dysfunction. You don't do that. You don't tell him, oh, we're firing you, but after Thanksgiving, go ahead and coach this game and then we're firing you afterwards. You're not our guy, but coach this last game against Detroit. Why? Because Nagy always beats Detroit. Like what 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 was the thinking there? That would have been that just would have been that would have been ridiculous. But uh, so I'm glad that that wasn't the case, but it's like I know that the Bears never fire a coach midseason. You've been writing about that a lot on Bears Wire, but it's like maybe it's time, right? If you if you don't believe in the guy, just do it now. You don't have to tiptoe around it. You can just fire the guy. It's okay. You could do it. And you actually wrote a list on Bears Wire. This is one of my favorite articles you posted this week. Four reasons to fire Nagy midseason, right? And you went through all of these different uh, these reasons. Justin Fields' development being number one. And the one that interested me the most was this new NFL rule that allows teams to interview a head coaching candidate during the last two weeks of the season. That's assuming the head coach has been fired. So if you fire your head coach, you could start interviewing guys like, as you wrote, Byron Lefwich, Josh McDaniels over in New England, Brian Dayball in Buffalo, right? You could meet with these guys, especially if one of those teams have a bye in the playoffs. You can get a head start and kind of get in there and maybe try to lure these guys to your team, right? Sell them on your team and Justin Fields and all that. So... There are actually reasons to do it midseason, right? And not wait till that Monday after the uh, regular season. So I found that, you know, really interesting. You're seeing a lot of reasons why they should do it. And for me, it's like, if you want the guy gone, just do it already, right? Why why do we have to wait? Yeah, you know, like you said, when I saw the report, like, and it said that he was already informed that he was going to be fired after the game. Why is he still here? It's not like a head coach is not going to be like, okay, yeah, okay, I'll go out and coach a game and then I'll pack my things. Like, that doesn't make sense. I, I, I don't have... I mean, I wonder or I believe that perhaps the initial part that he was going to be fired after this game, assuming that they lost the Lions, maybe that part was true, but that he'd been informed about it, that that never really uh, made sense. And again, it just kind of goes back to the organization and, and how they've handled things. And 
like you said, they've never fired a head coach midseason, and you know they're they've been around for 101 years. Granted, almost half of that, George Hallis was the head coach, and he was not going to fire himself. So, <laughs> I mean, you can take half those years off. And there's I a mean, first time for everything, right? There's a first time for everything. First time for everything. But I was like really genuinely curious what would have happened if they had lost to the Lions, like if they if McCaskey goes against what he said and they just kind of, you know, cut the cord anyways, right? Hey, you lost six consecutive games for two straight seasons and all of this mess just kind of put him out of his misery at this point. But there are like legitimate reasons. Again, the most important one, I think at this point is getting a head start on the coaching search because you can interview um, uh, coaching candidates within the last two weeks, assuming obviously that they are no longer employed by you. So, I mean, I'll be curious to see, because if there's a time where they would fire him midseason, I don't think, uh, barring some kind of just complete meltdown, they're playing the Cardinals and the Packers, right? So if they lose those two straight, I could see him if they got blown out to the Packers again, right? Again, and that's the game, you know, kind of like with Jim Harbaugh, finally, you know, beating Ohio State, like if Matt Nagy can finally beat the Packers, I still don't think that saves his job. But if he gets blown out by them again, I, I mean, that would be probably, if you want to get rid of him at this point, that would be the time. Because then you play the Vikings uh, twice, and then you play uh, the Giants, and you have the Seahawks, who just don't look like the Seahawks this year. What so happened to there's that? Not really What happened to Russell Wilson and the Seahawks? My God. You remember when I was on here asking the Bears to trade for him? Yeah. I think that we dodged a bullet. Maybe. <laughs> we got the yeah. key draft coffin, capital, so. and we dodged a bullet. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened there. Yeah, no, and and not to cut you off here, but you know, just to go back to your article, four reasons to fire Matt Nagy midseason. You wrote that things have gotten ugly on the fan side too, right? And we have to touch on this: fire Nagy chants everywhere, right from Soldier Field everywhere to Chicago Bulls games to Blackhawks games. And you know what? That kind that stuff's all kind of funny and cute to me. Like that's cool. Like you know, people doing it on social media, doing it at a Blackhawks game, doing it at a Bulls game. That's all fun and games. But I read on Bears Wire. Nagy's son's high school football games. They're they're chanting this, Alyssa. So it's gotten a little nutty now. Like uh, like to picture that, like a, a big high school football game Friday night, two opposing teams, two rivals, and you got the crowd in unison on both sides of the field chanting "Fire Nagy!" Right at that point, it's gone too far, and it's that's kind of ugly. Like let's can we can we do better than that? Like keep it keep it fun, keep it in good spirits, right? I mean, it's not like Nagy's a bad guy. You know, he, I think he's a good guy. I mean, he's given the media. All of it, all the time that you could imagine, right? His Monday presser this week, after all the crap last week, all the reports, seventeen minutes, right? He sat there and answered every question again on Monday. He he's good with the media. He's a good dude. He's not a predator. He's only a predator to Justin Fields' development, right? That's really the only thing he's a predator of. He's not really he's not a bad guy. We we should not be chanting that at his kids' football game. Like that's going too far for me. But at the end of the day, though, the fans are letting their voices be heard, and it is loud and clear, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I appreciate a good fire nagging shit because, I mean, I love writing about it. I know people <laughs> seeing it, and it's, it's not that, like, I want this continuously happening. I think it's just a reminder that Bears fans are fed up, yeah. and they're making their voices heard. Like, we're not, they're not going to, like, just sit back and take it because they did that last year, and then look what happened. They brought them back. Right. Even after that six game losing streak. But like you said, and I mean, there's a time and a place for that stuff. And Nagy even acknowledged that. Right. Because, I mean, at you know, you know, uh, pro sporting of, you know, events, I get that. But at, when he's trying to be a dad on the sideline and his kids playing in a playoff game, that's just not cool. And like, I know that it was from the students that were, were, were that were starting that. And yeah, people will say, OK, kids, you know, you, you, they, you know, they're kids and they're chanting that. And 
you know, I've heard worse at, at games and stuff. Yeah, that's true. But the, the way that things have been magnified with this, I mean, that was not going to go over well. Let the guy, he's a good guy. Like you said, let him be dad. Wait until the Bears come back to Soldier Field, where I'm sure these chants will sound, I don't even know, probably before the game when they host the Cardinals, and certainly after the game, because I don't see how the Bears get out of this game unscathed. Yeah, I agree. And we'll get into this matchup here coming up. And uh, that makes me feel a little bit better. I'm, I'm glad it's not like the parents starting that chant. If it's the kids, then it's the yeah. kids. It's the ki- if it's the student section, fine. Then I have no problem with it at all because that's just, you know, you can't stop that from happening. But I'm just glad it's not like the parents being like, you know, ignoring their kids' <laughs> game, you know, the playoff game, just ignoring their kids on the field and just chanting, fire, dang, you know, like, come on. Like, let's have a little bit of like, awareness of what's going the, on in life and you the know? principal the principal had to issue a, a statement too because it picked <laughs> up so much steam because there's video and you could hear it and i'm like oh man that's i mean it was the student section and everything and but i mean wait until you know the bulls are playing or the blackhawks or when the bears come home because yeah. you know they're going to be home for a couple of big games yeah it, it's gotten it's gotten nutty no doubt the fans have letting their voices heard it's 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 loud and clear and uh the story only continues week to week and um but I have, I have a few questions here that we're going to get to in our second segment, including where the hell is Tariq Cohen? We'll get into that and more right after this. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini here with TheHuddle.com to bring you strong plays for Week 13. Quarterback Taylor Heineke, Washington football team at Las Vegas Raiders. While Heineke has multiple touchdown passes in only one of the last seven outings, this could be a get-right game for the gunslinger against a Las Vegas defense that has yielded 25.9-plus PPR points to four quarterbacks in the last six games. Over the last three weeks, this matchup is 36.2% easier to exploit than the league average, largely thanks to Patrick Mahomes, but even Teddy Bridgewater dropped nearly 30 points against his defense going back to Week 6. Heineke and Washington Washington have momentum on their side, and the quarterback has the weaponry to approach 25 fantasy points. Running back Alexander Madison, Minnesota Vikings at Detroit Lions. Madison will make his third start of the year with Dalvin Cook set to miss time with a shoulder injury. The Boise State product was thrust into the same role as Cook in the two prior starts, rushing 26 times for 112 yards and 25 for 113 in weeks 3 and 5 respectively. He added 6 catches for 59 yards and 7 catches, 40 yards, and a touchdown via the passing game in those same two contests. The Lions were his Week 5 opponent, and they allowed 28.3 PPR points. Detroit has been among the softest of softies versus running backs in this season, giving up 17 total touchdowns in 11 games, including 7 receiving scores and 141.4 total yards per game on average. Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Chase Claypool versus Baltimore Ravens. Claypool has come on a little bit of late, registering eight catches on 17 targets in the last two games since returning from a toe injury in Week 10. He has not scored since Week 5, but has a better-than-average chance if he can avoid Marlon Humphrey more often than not. Deontay Johnson should see Humphrey more than he'll see Anthony Averett, which leaves Claypool to exploit one of the best individual matchups of the year. And even if he draws Humphrey, the Pro Bowl cornerback hasn't been as strong as he had in recent years. Something in the neighborhood of 15 to 18 PPR points can be expected. CJ Uzama, Cincinnati Bengals versus Los Angeles Chargers. LA has done a good job of limiting tight ends yardage and receptions, but also has been the easiest defense to play against in terms of getting into the end zone. And that is the only reason why anyone should consider playing Uzama in fantasy. He has been mostly useless since a midseason spurt of five touchdowns in four games, so realize any inclusion of him into a fantasy lineup is among the wildest of gambles in Week 13. Be sure to check out thehuddle.com for more award-winning content as we help put you into the playoffs. 
That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with the huddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at typical sportsbook. For a limited time, new typical sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typical.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. I don't think so. No, I think for him, like well, the way I look at it, Mark, is you know this is a guy that comes in like literally every single day and rehabs over and over and over. So um, as we kind of see where he's at, is it something where it's it's you know um, you get to a point where it's it's longer than maybe you expected initially? Yeah, but he knows that. We all understand that, and the only thing that he can do is attack it every day and just kind of see okay, where is it at? And and then for us. Um, as we communicate with him and our trainers and doctors, um, we know um, what he was years ago and even last year, um, fully healthy. And now the, the goal is, OK, let's get him back, but let's do it at the right time. And whenever that time is, he's going to tell us, the trainers are going to tell us. And um, so I think to answer your question, big picture is, yeah, you know, would we have loved to have him back sooner? Yeah, but that's not the case right now, and, and that's okay. He's working his tail off to get better. There's Matt Nagy, Alyssa, on Tariq Cohen. Yeah, that's that's the head coach talking about Cohen, who's been out since he, he injured his knee in week three of last season. Uh, so it's been well over a year now that he's still rehabbing. He's still not back. We're going into week, thir- week 13. Week 13. Tariq Cohen is still not back. Doesn't sound like he's close to being back. And there's the head coach basically admitting, yeah, we expected him back by now, but we're waiting on him to tell us, right? The tra- or, no, the trainers to tell us, right? So it, it's he's kind of putting it on the player a little bit. It's Tariq Cohen that's he's probably the one who's saying, I'm not ready, I'm not good. So that begs the question as we get into our questions of the week here, which is it, it's a fun segment where I don't prep Alyssa on the questions, I just throw them at her. So here's your first uh, your first scorcher, Alyssa. What do you think is going on with Tariq Cohen? And do you even want him to play a game this year if he's cleared, right? Are, are we too far gone for Tariq Cohen to come back this year if he's this concerned about his knee? Like, what do you think? Yeah, to answer the question, uh, what's going on, I have no idea. No one <laughs> Me has either. That's why I was idea. hoping you could help me. No idea. And you, and it's not for a lack of trying because the media have, has, have asked about it, right, they, multiple times, including did he have multiple surgeries, right? Because he had a surgery over a year ago. I mean, at this point, you have to assume that's the case that he had to have multiple surgeries to fix this. And then the way that like Matt Nagy was talking about it, like, oh, we can't wait to get him back. And I'm like, Nagy, Nagy, you're probably not going to be on the team when he comes back. He's probably not coming back until next year. Because at this point, if he's still not ready and they're waiting for him, sorry, the trainers to tell tell him when he's ready, barring some kind of miracle, the Bears are not contending for for the playoffs right now. At this point, why? And you're pretty much set at running back. You got two really good running backs, David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. So why would you try to even attempt to rush him back if he's really, truly not ready? Or why not just give him a little extra time right off, like if you to really get that knee right, especially because you have those two guys. But then at the same time, you do want to see him out there because the Bears just signed him to an extension last year. He has not played football since he signed that extension last year in week two. Like that is just kind of – that's – that's one of those things with Ryan Pace, and I know I don't know if we're going to talk about him coming up later. I'm sure I will bring it up anyway. <laughs> but like we're wondering about his future, right? And you look at that as one of those things where you're scratching your head and you're like, that was just a bad choice overall. 
especially because they extended him instead of extending Allen Robinson, who had not to say Tariq hadn't earned it, but at that point, Allen Robinson had worked his tail off. And, you know, assuming you wanted to bring in, you're thinking at this point, you want to bring in a young quarterback. You want to have a receiver in place for whoever that quarterback's going to be. Why didn't you extend him instead? Because if you wanted to, you could have made it happen. So it's just like when, when you talk about Ryan Pace's future and everything, I think that's a decision, you know, that really stands out. But I have no idea, Ryan. I hope I answered this. I, but I really have no idea what is going on with Tariq Cohen. Matt Nagy won't tell us. He does a really good job of talking without saying anything. And Tariq Cohen has been one of those things because – when you played that sound clip, I thought that was from like five weeks ago when he had last answered this question because it sounded exactly the same. <laughs> no, it was Monday. It was Monday. It's Monday of this oh, okay. week. Yeah, it was Monday. And, uh, you know, and I, I think he's kind of telling us a little bit. If you, you have to read, you're right. You have to read between the lines there. I think he's telling us it's the player. It's the it's him. It's Tariq. Yeah. He's, he's the one who's, you know, he's telling us that it, he's not ready because we expect him back. And uh, Tariq's, t- I mean, the trainers are telling us that he's not ready. It's Tariq. He, he let that slip a little bit. I got to read between the lines. So we don't know. I think that's the answer, right? Nobody freaking knows. And it's frustrating at this point. Like, he should be back. Like, Saquon Barkley had a devastating knee injury last year. He's back for the Giants. Like, Tariq Cohen should have been back by now. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, maybe I get the clown emoji for, you know, saying that. But he should be back. And, I'm you know, something's going on there. Maybe we'll find out. Yeah. Who knows? Okay, question number two. Moving on. Do you feel better or worse or the same? about the Bears after that last-second win over the Lions. Alyssa, what do you think? Oh, I feel the same. <laughs> uh, I feel the exact same. That did nothing. I mean, I don't know. When you ask that question, then I'm like, well, maybe if they had lost, maybe I might feel a little better if only because maybe they would have fired Matt Nagy. And if, <laughs> when that moment happens, I will feel incredibly good. Obviously not about this year, but about the future. Or maybe not. I'm not entirely confident that you know <laughs> ownership in the front office can get it done, but... I mean, I'll feel better once he's gone. But, you know, watching that game, this is a Lions team. They're just bad. Like, I mean, we we talk about them a lot. Like, they fight really hard. And I love Dan Campbell. And I feel bad for him. And what he's, like, what that team's having to go through. Because they fight. Like, that's the thing. But they don't have as much talent as a lot of other teams. And they're just a bad football team. And when you see that they they should have won, <laughs> like that's the thing is the Lions should have won that game. <laughs> and the fact that the Bears needed a miracle field goal, by, I mean, it wasn't a miracle, but I mean, the fact that Cairo Santos had to kick a last second field goal just to beat the winless Lions, it, it, it did not make me feel good at all. I was like, you should have just lost that game then, right? I mean, unless you blow them out. I know they didn't have Justin Fields or anything, but. When Justin Fields was in there, they put up, what, 24 points on the Lions, and I think the Lions were a better football team then, you know, when they had only lost four game, or three games instead of 10 at this point, or nine, since they, or since they tied, or 10, whatever. Uh, but, you know, watching that game, it was just, I'm like, really? This is the football team? Like, I don't know, Andy Dalton, he threw for three and 17 yards. He did a good job. I feel so good for Andy Dalton, by the way, getting that win. Good for him and his family, and I love that. That was yeah, one of those the, Thanksgiving things you want to see. I the love turkey that so trophy much. and everything at the end, or yes. whatever that thing was. The, fo- he, the thing that he like, what do I do with this thing? They handed him that trophy at the end. Yeah, but, I mean, th- this game plan, too, was vintage Nagy, right? Like, it kind of felt like he was gearing up for a potential. Like, he probably has no idea what his future is going to be. He's like, I don't believe these guys, what they're telling me, because, you know, he's hearing other things. So, I mean, I feel like he was gearing up for, you know, maybe this being his last game. And if so, he did it full Nagy style, right? He threw the ball most of the time. Andy Dalton had the most passing yards for a Bears quarterback all season. <laughs> they abandoned the run game, which is classic Nagy, yeah, right? And they yeah. needed their defense and special teams to bail, bail them out at the last second, so. I mean, it was, it did not make me feel any better. 
I feel the same, if maybe a little worse, just just because I thought if they lost that he would be gone. Like yeah, I was convinced. I hear there was that. No way he was coming back Monday. Let me twist this question around a little bit. What like was there a single? There's a player that I want to get to here. This is where I'm I'm kind of <laughs> angling here. Was there a player on offense for the Bears that you watched on Thursday? Listen, you said, "Man, this this guy just continues to impress me." I mean, I would assume you're talking about Darnell Money. Yes, yes. I feel better about the Bears. And I know the head coach is a freaking disaster and a mess, so I'm not. I'm not even going there. He's a rising star, right? I mean, I could almost stomach watching the Andy Dalton, Jared Goff bowl because Darnell Mooney was so. He looks like a like we've been mocking that he's the number one receiver on the Bears, and we've been you know just doing that to mock Allen Robinson and be like, hey Robinson, where are you? Are you are you playing this year? Uh, but he obviously wasn't active for this game. Mooney was out there. He was the number one receiver, and he looks like it. He looks really good. And you're developing that player, right? You drafted him a couple of years ago, and he's like, he's killing it. He looks really good. So I think I do feel better about the Bears because at least they could develop a receiver in Mooney, right? He He's the man. Yeah, Darnell's been really, really impressive, especially he, I mean, he, he's put together 200-yard games back-to-back, and it's made even more impressive because Allen Robinson wasn't there, right? And he's normally the guy, even if... He had if maybe even if he doesn't lead in all these statistical categories, when he's on the field, that's what defenses are gonna, you know, game plan towards. Like you're gonna focus on stopping Allen Robinson, right? So the fact that Mooney was able to do what he did was really, really impressive. And you know, he's in his second year. He's such a young player. He's made I mean, even from last year, he showed signs of development. And I feel good. I mean, he wasn't a high draft pick, right? Which I think that also is an argument for why maybe they want to keep Ryan Pace because Pace is able to, you know, find those gems in the later rounds yeah, like Mooney. He's, he's another one. Uh, and exactly. You have to pay him as much, at least on his rookie deal. Right. But at the same time, when you, I mean, watching Mooney, like it reminded me of a former bears receiver, Anthony Miller and how like in his rookie year, he showed that develop, like he showed that promise, I should say. And then the second year and the years that came after you wanted to see that continued growth. We didn't see that with Miller. We're seeing it with Mooney. So I feel a lot better. I mean, Mooney is a legit number one receiver because let's be real. Allen Robinson's gone after this year. Uh, unless new, a new GM you know, comes and decides, no, you know, Allen, we want to keep you. We need you. I reckon Brian Pace might not have recognized how important you are, but I do. But at this point, I was very, very impressed. Mooney was the guy I was thinking of, too. And I'm really excited to see what he can do in this offense, especially when him and Justin have a whole offseason, him and Fields have a whole offseason to continue to build that chemistry and hopefully in a much better offense than that Nagy. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. I think, I think he's, he's a positive development and you saw it in this game and everybody saw it, you know, who was watching, you know, while they were carving up the turkeys or whatever on Thanksgiving, like you, you don't mock about it anymore. He is the number one receiver for the bears and who the hell saw that coming. So that's an interesting development with the team. All right. Question number three is uh, kind of a fun one because the Vikings at five and seven, Alyssa currently hold down the number seven spot in the, uh, NFC playoff pitcher and that means the Bears who are four and seven are only a game out in the win column right so we can play this game a little bit if we want to you probably don't want to but I'm gonna make you do it all right so let's say uh eight and nine you know so below 500 just below 500 eight and nine let's say that's the number that gets you into the NFC playoffs for that number seven seed do you think it's possible for the Bears to go four and two over their final six games right We've talked about that they're home against Arizona. They also have the Packers right after that, as you've talked about. And then they would have to... So assuming they lose those two games, they would have to run the table against the Vikings twice, the Seahawks, and the Giants. Now, all three of those teams, below 500. Uh, the Vikings, you do have to play them twice. What do you think? Is it possible that the Bears, after losing to the Cardinals and Packers, 
could run the table in those final four and at least be in the playoff discussion in that final week and maybe sneak in. Of course it's possible. This is Matt Nagy and the Chicago Bears. It's too possible. It it could happen. (laughs) Of course it is. It could happen. You want to know what, Ryan? That's my fear is that it will happen, right? And that kind of goes back to one of the reasons why I want Matt Nagy fired midseason. That's why maybe them losing to the Lions would have been a blessing in disguise because the last thing Bears fans need is for them to, you know, go lose to the Cardinals and Packers, okay? Two-game losing streak to two of the, the two best teams in the NFC. So it's kind of hard to kind of frown on that because there are so much more talented than most other teams. And then you have four games against very winnable opponents, and that would be so like Matt Nagy to like have a have a long losing streak in this case, five games, and then then rattle off a four-game win streak to end the season and potentially sneak into the playoffs. And if I feel like if they do finish eight nine rounds, I feel like they will make the playoffs because Me that's too. just how it happens. Yeah, especially and then if you they beat the Vikings. Yeah, that bringing yeah. him back. Yeah, and you beat the Vikings twice too, right? Sorry to cut you off there, but if you if you beat the Vikings twice in that. You know, in that mix there, and even the Giants, who are four and seven as well, and might be trying to make a little bit of push because they have an easy schedule down the stretch as well. Like I don't know, you win those games, you're you're really setting yourself up to get in. And yeah, I can't believe I'm saying it, but uh, it's definitely possible. Uh, but we're not. But let's just be clear: not really giving them a chance against the Cardinals or the Packers. And that makes this game against the Lions, which you keep bringing up. I think you're 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 losing sleep over this game against the Lions, Alyssa, right? This one's really bothering you. I can tell. Um, but what a... Bri- like, imagine if they didn't... If, if Nagy couldn't have bridged this gap between that losing streak and now these games against the Packers and Cardinals, like, what was the skid before that? Four games? Or was it five? It was four, right? Five. It was five. five. It was already five. So this could have been... been this, this could have been an eight-game losing streak. So he definitely would have been gone. at that point, he doesn't survive. Yeah, he would have been gone midseason if that happened. But he was able to bridge that gap with the Lions win, right? Oh, man. Yeah, so that that's that's going to be tormenting you for for nights to come. Now you're, you're going to be losing sleep over this this Lions game. I can see it coming. So yes, the Bears for some <laughs> reason they're not out of it. We could we could be talking about that down the road. I'm here for it. That could be fun. But first, we got to get to this game against the Cardinals. The Bears are at home. What's the spread? We'll tell you that, and we'll make a prediction coming up next. This is the typical sportsbook minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie, Nathan Beagle, to break down this week's Sunday night football game between the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens are favored three and a half. The total is 45 and a half. I'm on the Cleveland Browns getting three and the hook. Football Outsiders actually grades the Browns higher than the Baltimore. I think it could be a get-right spot for Cleveland's offense playing against a banged-up uh, Baltimore defensive line and a banged up Baltimore secondary. Nate, how do you see this game playing out? So Baltimore averages the most rushing yards per game and the Browns are giving up more than 165 per game. Give me Lamar in the points. Also, the Browns have not lost by less than three this season. Three and a half it is. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Alyssa, I'm looking at Tipico. The Bears are at home this week. Coming off a, a mini little a mini little bye week, right? You win on a Thursday. That kind of gives you an advantage. You can get a head start on your opponent. But unfortunately, the Cardinals are coming off a bye. And they're the top seed in the NFC right now. 
and they're probably getting their quarterback in their top wide receiver, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins back. Uh, th- those guys are both on track to play in this one. And uh, the spread is seven and a half. The Bears are underdogs. And uh, I just think this is there's not a lot of angles that make you like the Bears in this one, does it? Like Justin Fields is on the mend. I guess, do we even know if he's going to play or if it's going to be Dalton? We don't, we're not really sure at this point, right? Uh, who's going to play quarterback? No, we don't know. Yeah. And you got the Cardinals getting healthy, and it hasn't really mattered for them. They've really been able to keep their ship going when they've had injuries to their quarterback and top wide receiver. But again, sounds like they're coming back. And if they're back and active, I think I, I'm easily laying the points in this game with the Cardinals. I think this is going to be a tough one for the Bears to keep up with. Their offense is just ridiculously good with Kyler Murray. But what's your take on this matchup in that line? Seven and a half Bears underdogs at home. I mean, I feel like this is one of those games. I mean, it feels like it couldn't happen at a worse time. I mean, for, for the Bears perspective, because, you know, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins are both coming back. They had some rest, right, coming off the bye. I mean, I look at this and you have a defense who I don't, we don't know what's going on with Keen Hicks at this point, right? Um, and then Roquan Smith got hurt, which that was just a brutal blow in that Thanksgiving yeah. game. Like that yeah. was just, could not, that could not happen at a worse time for, that hurts. for the team. That really did. So if they have to face Kyler Murray and this Cardinals offense without their two of their best defensive players, that that's going to be rough. I mean, that, that pass rush with Robert Quinn and Travis Gibson, like they, they've been great over the last few weeks. But this matchup scares me so bad. I mean, this is one of those games where, I mean, you look at what the what the 49ers were able to do to the Bears, how many points they were able to put up in the second half. This is the Cardinals who are exponentially better than the 49ers. So, I mean, I'm I'm anticipating this being a rough game for the defense. I don't know if it's as bad as the Buccaneers game. Let's hope not. Or, you know, depending if you're on the fire naggy train, maybe you are hoping. I don't know. Uh, but you kind of look at offense, too, and is Justin Fields going to play? Because, I mean, we were already robbed of Justin Fields versus Lamar Jackson. I want Justin Fields versus Kyler Murray, please. I want to see both of those players on the field. That just, you know, I want to see two of the, you know, up and young coming quarterbacks in the league. So, I mean, on offense, we'll see because if they kind of replicate that game plan with the Lions, that's not going to get it done. I'm sorry. Scoring 16 points isn't going to get you anywhere near close to where you need to be against the Cardinals. So, I mean, I look at that line and the Cardinals have the points. Uh, I think that's probably one of the safest bets that you could make this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. We never got to talk about that Ravens game. Remember, I emphatically picked the Bears uh, before <laughs> I said they were going to cover and I'm going to take them outright. I, I, got, I took the points and then I'm said at the end of the show, I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to take them outright. I really believed in the Bears coming out of the bye to beat that that uh, Ravens team that I just think is not that good. And, you know, again, Lamar Jackson throwing four interceptions against the Browns and the Bear- and the Ravens still win the other night. It's like, come on. Like, this is Baltimore. They do this all the time. But I was very upset. Even with Lamar Jackson, I think he texted his backup quarterback like the morning of the game and said, I'm not playing or something yeah. like that, right? Whatever that report was. Oh, when I saw that he was out, I'm like, come on. My prediction's got to be right. And the Bears still dropped that game. That was tough. I was not happy with that. Um, Are we shocked, though? <laughs> no, we're not shocked. No, we're not shocked. So, all right, you're, but you're 100% right. Like, didn't... Even with Dalton starting and even with Robinson out, didn't didn't we all expect way, uh, a better offensive performance against the freaking Lions? Like sixteen points. Like I don't know. It just and I know Dalton threw another interception right in like down in the red zone. Am I right about that? Do I remember that correctly? So it feels like a while yeah, ago. Yeah, Dalton had a pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and a lot of a and lot it of does food. Feel like a while ago, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Dalton's throwing picks in the end zone, which he loves to do. But I mean, sixteen fourteen. I mean. What a tough score against the Lions, and you do you you have to put up 
28, 31 points to even have a shot at this game. The Cardinals are that good. So, yeah, I think, you know, laying the points, no problem here. The total, 45 and a half. Um, so I guess the question there with the total is, are the Bears going to score enough points to make this game go over? And uh, no, <laughs> probably probably not. <laughs> I think I think I would stay away from this, uh, the total, until I know who the quarterback for the Bears is. But either way, I, I don't know if the Bears are scoring. Are, are the Bears getting the 20 in this game, do you think, Alyssa? The, I mean, the Cardinals have a pretty good defense. Uh, some good linebackers yeah. and a really good pass rush with Chandler Jones, right? So I, I don't know. I don't see the Bears scoring a lot of points in this one. Yeah, I definitely don't. I think they have them at 17 and a half, which is actually more than what they've been. I think that's about what they've been averaging at one point. I know it's always been around 16 points. So, I mean, I don't really see them. This could be like a like a 31-10 game or something. Or I think I think, I think I did like a prediction Uh for USA Today Sports Weekly or something. I think it was like 31-16. And I was just like kind of initially, right, before I really knew what was going to happen, is Justin Fields going to play? You know, what about Roquan? What about Akeem? But I feel like pretty good sticking with, I think the Cardinals are going to put up 30 at least. And I think the Bears are going to have a very difficult time scoring points. So, I mean, I'm, I mean, unless the Cardinals like, you know, put 40 on them, <laughs> right, on the Bears, yeah. I would probably, I mean, like you said, I wanna, I'd probably want to stay away from that. But if I had to, I might take the under there just barely and then i would probably lose <laughs> it just depends on who's active i think if it's dalton you expect a more conservative game plan right so i think yeah i, I think i would lean under if it's dalton but if it's fields and he wants to throw it downfield and you, you got a chance to hit mooney on a deep ball or something you know what i mean like and it's more of an aggressive uh you know aggressive play calling aggressive down the field attack then then maybe i think about it i, I think the Cardinals score enough points that that the over could come and play if justin Fields starts but I don't know. That's a tough call. I'm, I'm staying away from that until we see who's active and who's inactive. But uh, a tough one against the current top seed in the NFC, right? Just gets it, life gets easier. Life gets better for Matt Nagy every every week. It seems, Alyssa, right? This is uh, this is this is a tough one coming home for this, right? It's got blowout and fans being pissed and chanting things at him written all over it. <laughs> oh, absolutely! It might even happen before the game. I'm just like, there's no way. I mean. I don't see any chance that they, they win this game unless all of a sudden Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins are out. And But, like, again, the Cardinals have still managed to win games even without them, which is impressive. Yeah, it, it is um, impressive. I don't really see how they win this game. I don't see how this doesn't end in a complete disaster for Matt Nagy. <laughs> unless he's, like, on the COVID reserve list and doesn't have the coach, which I'm not hoping for that. I'm just saying I'm trying to look for an out for Nagy, and I don't think there is any. <laughs> no, there is none. That's kind of the theme of the, the podcast over the last uh, – couple seasons and <laughs> and especially this week right it's just uh it's a disaster for the head coach and there's no avoiding it so yeah we'll, do, we'll just end it there shall we good to be back recording bears wire podcasts we will catch you after this chicago arizona game next week Alyssa, why don't you close it out for us bear down and fire naggy <laughs> <laughs> This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.